Welcome back to another edition of 30 Racket Sports. It is Monday, May 17th. Guys, we got another big show. We're talking uh, we're talking to Young Guns. We're doing a little crystal ball coming up. Doing a little uh, basketball and hockey crystal ball. We're doing a little bit of reviewing as well. Uh, you know, talking about the disappointment that was the Cleveland Cavaliers season. And uh, of course, we've got a wonderful interesting beer coming up. I was going to say, the season has come full circle, and we have a beer that is made with a uh, full uh, circle stop. pastry. damn it. I knew he was going to do that, and now I'm trying to stop him. Could get out of the way of that one. But so, you know what also you can't get out of the way of? What? Another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It's good to be back on a cloudy Monday in Ohio. Yeah, thank goodness. Before we get into all of it, of course, the intros. My name is Greg. I am the genius the talent the guy with the gambling smarts if you watched our uh, who you got last week you saw me go 2-0 plus hit my little bonus uh, pepper in both teams are scoring into miami to win at plus 270 so if you're following me you're a very rich person today uh possibly someone that could help out this train wreck of a cab's front office and just organization in general Hire me. I'm available. I'll be willing to come in at a very reasonable price. Jeez. Reasonable price. Reasonable price. Oh, to some people. <laughs> to my right, speaking of reasonable, and not really reasonable at all, a guy with the opinions, with the, with the takes, a guy who has bad shoulders, smoker's lungs, but could probably still help out this Cleveland Indians offense at this point. No. It's Zach. Zach, how are we doing? How are we feeling about that? I thought you those, said that was going to be... <clears throat> I thought you said it was going to be like a nice intro. I don't know if that was like nice. What's wrong with your shoulders? I don't know. That's what I don't know. I thought you said your arms were bad. That's why you can't play like baseball. <clears throat> oh, my shoulder. Yeah, my arm is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing all baseball. that cradling lately. All the cradling. Yeah. Now it's... Rock them back. And you know what? I'm not mad. You know, they won... Uh, and they were on a roll there. Lost three or four in Seattle. West. I'm going to blame it on the time change. That's all I'm going to say. Blame it on the time change. Well, good thing they're still on the West Coast <laughs> yeah, this week. Hopefully they're used to it now. In, uh, in Anaheim, Los Angeles, in, whatever whatever really you want to call Los Angeles, it. Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. La la la. <laughs> la la la. Yes, exactly. Speaking of la la la, not really. Uh, to my left, the guy on the ones and twos, a guy who... Did not play high school soccer. Has really, you know, only played rec soccer recently. But honestly, couldn't be any worse on the back line than FCC's defense right now. I don't know. That's probably my worst point, and I can't play defense worth worth a damn. These aren't compliments. By I the was going to no. say he said they were compliments. They're as complimenting as possible. I mean, it's Josh, our producer, first off. So I don't forget anything. So I don't get called out for forgetting names. Josh. How are you feeling about the the grand opening of the stadium? Unfortunately, kind of a crushing loss. But, uh, you know, nice to have the, the new digs. Yeah, new digs. Scored two goals. Um, Showed yeah, some there, yeah there, were, there were promises in there. Got to see guys play that you didn't think you were going to even get off the bench um, that made some starts. So very cool. Um, some other cool soccer stuff happened this weekend that we'll get to later in Cincinnati. Uh, but, yeah. Overall, good weekend. Good vibes down there in OTR on Sunday. Good vibes, and of course, always good vibes here on 30 Rack of Sports. Guys, we're going to get into a fantastic collaboration beer that we have in just a second, but I've got some headlines for you first. Well, Josh, I guess a sad Bailey is better than no Bailey. 
and Cincinnati FCC welcomed fans into the TQ Hell Stadium for the first time as the squad took on Inter-Miami. After falling behind just seven minutes in and trailing 2-0 at halftime, FCC charged into the second half, getting goals from Avaro Barrel and a 82nd minute header by Nick Hagelin to tie things up at two. Unfortunately, just three minutes later, Gonzalo Higuain responded with his second goal of the day to sink Cincy's chances of a happy grand opening. FCC is now winless in their first four games, the longest start to a season in their MLS history, and sit at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Things are unfortunately not going much better in Columbus, as along with all of the logo and name turmoil surrounding the crew, they dropped yet another game in New England after giving up an 86-minute goal. The crew are now 1-2-2 two, two on the season and have set a club record going winless in their last 15 true road games, with their last road win coming in September of 2019. Yeesh. Speaking of losing in turmoil, the Cavs wrapped up their season last night with a 123-109 loss to Brooklyn to cap off a 22-50 season where the team had just one win in their final 14 games and two double-digit losing streaks during the season. The organization now looks forward to an offseason where there are a few big decisions and a lottery with a little bit of hope, an 11.5% chance of securing the number one pick. And finally, though both the Reds and the Tribe had some struggles on the West Coast this weekend, it was a Reds fan who brought some laughs and joy to Reds faithful, inspiring Nick Castellanos by yelling at him to, quote, pretend Rob Manfred's face is on the baseball. Castellanos immediately hit a bomb and finished three for five, including the game-winning double and extras. So guys, not quite, not all hecklers are the worst. We'll say that. <laughs> guys, those are your OH headlines. Guys, for our beer of the week, we've got a fun little collaboration. This beer comes from Grainworks Brewing over in Westchester, Ohio. They collaborated with the famous Holtman's Donuts for a lime coconut donut gosa, which is quite a mouthful and, and quite a beer. Uh, of course, Holtman's Donuts around since 1960 uh, do have a location in Westchester, so they have this uh, new... I believe a couple weekends ago they had their their grand uh, reveal of the lime coconut donut gosa. Josh, how are you feeling about this beer? Whoo, that is a that is flavor. <laughs> that is a lot of flavor in there. I'll I'll as a disclaimer, not a huge uh, coconut guy, but we just did a lime beer last week, and this one totally different on the spectrum of lime flavored beers, but. Super flavorful. Packs oh, yeah. a lot of flavor in there. Yeah, I, I am someone that has been staunchly anti-coconut flavor my entire life. Uh, did not know it was coconut the first time I tried it. I actually tried it at Grainworks, not to, not to brag. Oh, you're going to brag? Not to brag. Not to brag. brag. Where's it at? Where's Grainworks at? It's on Cox. It's right off Cox Road. It's no, right near it? the IHOP Liberty Township area. Great, so, uh, great tap room. Just expanded recently. Have a, a music festival coming up this summer, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, they they just expanded. They usually have a food truck out there, so they have a, a very nice open area. Um, you know, indoor and outdoor seating. Very nice place. But you are right. This is very different. Obviously, 
a little bit heavier on the lime flavor, but also has that, you know, mm-hmm. ghostly style where you get that sourness at yeah. the end. You get kind of, you taste a little bit of the donut, like a little bit of like the like. Yeah, I was wondering if you would yeah. taste the donut at all. And you definitely, yes, the starchiness in it is exactly what you get. They did a really good job with that. So I guess if, you know, I like to stay objective and graded on, you know, did the beer do what they were trying to do? And I would say yes. It is very, very flavorful. Um, and Greg, could you educate us? I don't believe we've had many Gosas on the show before. We've had a few, have we? Yeah. Oh yeah, we always have Gosas. <clears throat> we don't. I don't okay, think we've don't done. I don't think we've ghosts. had one in a while, especially not like a donut <clears throat> beer. We had like one this. this year. Yeah. So um, a Gosa <clears throat> normally is, you know, thought of over here as a just a sour beer. Yeah. So it's it's one of those. It's kind of, um, it's brewed in a different way. Sometimes it's brewed with different bacteria. So sometimes you have to have, um, you know, you have to brew it in a different area away from your regular beers to make sure, you know, the bacteria doesn't infect everything else. But it was actually, it's actually a warm fermented beer that originated in Goslar, Germany. So Goslar. So um, 50% of the grain bill is malted wheat. So it usually includes a... Um, a sourness, usually kind of like a lemon or lime sourness, got some herbs to it, and then usually has like a saltiness. So you can see a lot of the ghosts have like that, you know, lemon or lime kind of almost margarita taste to it. Like yeah. The saltiness and the lemon and the lime. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know I understand this uh, Holtman's Donuts, uh, awesome place and uh, originated down in over the Rhine in Cincinnati. This is a new donut of theirs. Um mm-hmm. That they had just in, uh, just before this beer came out, and it's available at the tap room or in four packs. What is four point five percent? I think. Yeah, four point five percent. So, very cool beer. Very cool beer. Big fan. Yeah, Big fan. love the flavor. Love it. I mean, I would drink this all day. Big fan. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got the flavors, but it's not like a overly heavy beer or anything. No. It's, it's just very flavorful. It's, I mean, once again, coming up on summer, you know, we've had yeah. a lot of nice sipping beers. I mean, this is a say, very, uh, they could have named it something else, like summery, you know, like sitting on the patio in the sun. Gosa. <laughs> yeah. And I would like, uh, it tastes like that though. Yeah. You get mean, the donut, you'd get that because you know it's on there, but like, it's very refreshing. Yeah, but you don't get the lime, lime and the saltiness of it. Yeah. You know, the, the typical Gosa notes. So it's definitely a really good one. You do smell some of the coconut, but you don't quite—I don't quite taste any like heavy coconut hints or anything. It's, it's so. a little bit in there, kind of towards the end, right before you get that sour at yeah. the end. Yeah. So if, I mean, if you're someone that enjoys, you know, sour beers, likes the lime flavor, definitely. and then you know, kind of enjoys, it almost kind of fits, you know, maybe a little bit more sour, but kind of into one of those shandy kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. nice drinkable beer yeah so it fits into that area and uh, you know i both of us agree I, I think you're kind of on the same page it's a very Def- nice full flavored you know very drinkable beer drink it on the beach drink it in the morning with your donut there you go i would definitely enjoy we are moving into our first quick sip where we're talking a little bit of Major League Baseball crystal ball. Woo. As the uh, miners start to get things going, you know, after taking 2020 off, we're starting to get another look at some players, you know, from uh, low A to triple A. 
kind of get their first look in a little while. So we're putting the crystal ball in front of in front of the panel here, and we're kind of uh, asking, you know, from the Reds and the Indians, who are guys that maybe by the end of the year could work their way up to the big league ball club and make a difference. So uh, we'll start in Southwest Ohio with the Red Legs. Josh, as the Reds fan here, is there anybody that you're seeing, you know, AAA and maybe even AA that you could see sneaking up to the ball club and, and making a difference? Uh, well, obviously in AA with the Chattanooga lookouts, uh, the big talk is uh, starting pitcher Hunter Green, uh, the big prospect for the Reds, has been lighting it up down there, bringing the heat, Pitching it, hitting. I think he's hit near 103 yeah, already. Well, it's a couple times this season. A 169 ERA in 16 innings in double A. High strikeout rate, but he's not the one that I'm looking at to get a call up at the end of the season. I'm looking at shortstop Alfredo Rodriguez, who is playing with Triple uh, A affiliate Louisville right now. The Bats. Uh, this guy has uh, always had, they say everyone's always impressed with his defense. He's got incredible range, very quick at shortstop. People say if you needed him to go play shortstop at the majors tomorrow, he'd be a superior defensive shortstop. They but already got a gold glover. That's Ooh. where I'm going with this. <laughs> but there's always been a question of his consistency at the plate, uh, especially once he's made the jump to AAA. So far this season in AAA, the guy is slashing 344, 447, 531, 11 hits in 11 games, a homer to add to that. If he can keep up that, you know, production at the plate, you could, I, you know, I value this guy's quality at shortstop more than, you know, rushing Jose Garcia up or rushing Hunter Green up because those guys, remember, don't have a lot of AAA Jose Garcia hardly has anything above single A experience. Green, yeah, he only has sixteen innings. Right. Yeah. So those guys need more experience. It's exciting to see them doing well. Same with Nick Lodolo. Like it's exciting and everything. Alfredo Rodriguez, though, I love the quality he could bring to the middle of this infield because boy, it has been. I don't know if you guys saw that play the other day. I felt like I was watching one of my old knothole teams throw the ball around the infield. It was rough. So I value Alfredo Rodriguez. If he can keep hitting like that, they got him a, a 2016 with a $7 million signing bonus, Cuban-born shortstop, awesome defenseman. You got to value that at the end of the season over rushing up one of your top prospects. And uh, speaking of Cuban-born guys, I think another guy to look at from the red legs, you look at pitcher Vladimir Gutierrez, yeah. the guy who you know, struggled in 2019 with Louisville, made 27 starts, had over a six ERA, but mm-hmm. so far this year has been lighting it up, you know, two, four, five ERA. He's been a guy that seems to have better control this year, limiting walks and whatnot. A guy that, you know, you look at the back end of that, that pitching rotation, especially if, you know, Castillo needs to take some time off. Unfortunately, my guy, Jeff Hoffman, has been struggling. A little Hollywood bit Hoffman. Yeah, boy. So uh, very you know, possibly a guy you could look at. Hunter Green probably too early this year. Yeah. Maybe next year. I will say across the board in all four affiliates, the starting pitching in the farm system right now has been lights out so far to yeah. begin the season. You gotta be really happy to see what Bodie in that system he's installed, how it's starting to trickle down through the whole thing right now. Reds fans gotta be happy about that. I was gonna toss out a quick one. Yeah. I thought we were doing more of like needs. I was thinking Reds. What about a little Riley Chang? 
the 26 year old down in Triple uh, A. Um, that's that's he's a- starting right now for the bats, but he really, you know, with his size and length and kind of thin railed, definitely a guy you could toss in that bullpen right now. Flirts with triple digits, good slider. Yeah, there's sounds guys- like a back end guy to me. That's a very interesting point because you got to start, and the Reds have said, you know, especially in the bullpen, not everybody has their specific, right. you know, role and everything. That's and a good point. You see a lot of guys that, you know, are starters based on needs at certain oh, areas yeah. or just want to get a more innings pitch to develop them more. MLB, if you can pitch, we want you up there, yeah. whether it's one inning or five innings. Exactly. I just, fun one I was looking at. That is a fun one. At, That's yeah. a good one. Uh, going from, Southwest Ohio to Northeast Ohio, Zach, to your Cleveland Indians. There's some guys, you know, Columbus, maybe Akron, Lake County that we're looking for to possibly make uh, make some ground with the big league ball club by the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to stay with Clinton. I'm going to go real deep. The Indians are very bottom heavy as far as uh, their farm system. Um, I'm going to hit on a couple. First, the big dog in the room, Owen Miller, kind of came out of nowhere in a little Ooh. bit. Um, he's killing it. Actually, you know, primarily actually a shortstop. So I think it's very, um, you know, it seems like uh, Mod Rosario might be taking that center field role, getting a little hot at the plate, getting very comfortable out there. So that's going to leave Jimenez there. Really struggling right now in all phases of the game, uh, defensively, offensively. So, you know, Miller might be a guy who kind of, they might flip-flop them. That might not be shocking to see. Um, I definitely think he's going to get a shot this year, or with Cesar Hernandez really struggling at the plate, too. Oh, quite a bit of money. I don't know if they'll drop him down. And then the big one, I think, by the end of the year, he's really struggling right now. He's only hitting uh, 83 right now, which I know you <laughs> with as bad as the Indians offense like has been. Oh, eighty-three. Yeah, oh, eighty-three. Uh, but number one prospect, Nolan Jones, to be fair to the kid, call him up. Miss last, <laughs> you mean, no, why not? But he missed all, you know, last year's at the alternate site, missed the whole year of development, really. First big taste of triple A. And then there's that pressure that comes with people forget you're at triple A, right? They always say triple A is the most miserable place on the face of the planet. You're either yeah. pushing to get up or you're pissed that you're down. So. Well, and, and and remember, remember, we're only about right. We're talking. Two weeks we're in. talking September. Right. Call ups. Um, I definitely think Nolan Jones is the guy. I mean, we've touched on Bobby Bradley. I don't consider him a pro. I mean, he's he's had at least a few opportunities. So. I was gonna say. I mean, Bobby Bradley was one that I had. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you could throw him out there. I feel like I've beaten that yeah. dead horse. In, there. In, and nine, he's struggling. In nineteen, yeah, he's struggle. He's struggling so far this year. But in nineteen, he got on base at a three forty four clip. Mm-hmm. You know, 264 average, 46 walks, 33 home runs. A guy that can not work walks, he can hit with power that. at a position where you don't really have a guy that Jake we would feel that. comfortable with <laughs> at the MLB level. Yeah, sure. I know. Why don't we bring back Brad Miller to play first base at this point? Fucking mine as well. Well, I got a question for you. So, just because yeah. we were talking about it last week a little bit, if, or maybe two weeks ago, if any. Uh, interstate trades between the Reds and the Indians, but this is just for could be a trade piece mm-hmm. for the Indians since you have so many pitching tools at your disposal already. Right, uh, Kirkland McCarty, that dude's been killing yeah. it so far for the Clippers. Two point seven ERA, a zero point eight four WHIP, and sixteen and a third. 
I mean, deep. he's, yeah, I mean, he could be a lefty too. He could be a guy you call up. He could be a guy you call up and maybe dangle ship out there. Out. Yeah. I mean, I was even looking at a converted pitcher, uh, old Anthony Tony Ghost out there uh, down in AAA for the Indians right now. Humming in there, high 90s. Got some dirty Wait, stuff. He's a, a pitcher now? Yeah, he's been with the Indians. I swear to God. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he made, where he's on triple A right now, but, um, a little shaky, but, you know, still, he's, you know, he hits like 97 on the gun. He's been a project. The guy knows what it's like to play in the big leagues. Uh, he's a fun one for me. I was like, good brand. But no, I agree. I think, yeah, there could be some pieces coming up. I mean, that bullpen's, you know, I don't just, know how bullpen's good. With the way on. that division's going. Yeah. And uh, the pieces that they have on the pitching staff, both we talking at about Cleveland. a little bit of a Aquino. I love Aquino. Uh, just with anyone, you know, <laughs> if you're going to be, you know, in there at the end, you definitely have trading pieces, oh, good trading pieces out of your pitching in pitching both AAA wise. and up in Cleveland. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Sorry, you completely. Uh, he's he's, he's lost on. He's that lost now. on the. Go- don't get me wrong. I was shocked too. He came. What was that? Twenty nineteen, I think, when they signed him. He was. Uh, so he is thirty one right now. He mm-hmm. was because I yeah he was picked by the Phillies in two thousand eight in the second round. Yeah. He played with uh, Toronto and Detroit for a while, who I remember. So. Yeah, reinvented himself. Okay, I mean, he got yeah. a cannon. Uh, yeah, he's hitting mid nineties. So. Working on the rest of the, the pieces there, but I mean, you know, it's ERA right. What is it? I mean, it's early again, but you know, four fifteen. Four and a third, nine strikeouts. Four and a third, nine mm. strikeouts. And see, wow. that's what that's he's got the strikeouts. Sit yeah. them down. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, we're gonna talk more Clippers later. We got a who you got minor league baseball coming up. Oh yeah, Clippers. You can look back. for on social media. Or no, t- mud hens. Sorry. Clippers, mud hens. Yeah. So we got that. Um, any other potential uh, guys you see? Maybe in some different areas around Ohio. You know, obviously the mm-hmm. Indians have most of their minor league system in the state of Ohio. Uh, the Reds also have the Dragons just yep. up in Dayton. So if there's anyone else that you're thinking. Oh, we'll actually be talking some breaking news kind of regarding the Dayton Dragons and what's brewing Ohio. So oh, all sorts oh. of t- uh, segues and whatnots. Whatnots, what yeah, nots. sure. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Indians go, like I said, they're very bottom heavy. A lot of those guys in AA Akron right now are, for the most part, Real young, still real green. I don't, I don't see him having like a Tristan McKenzie kind of jump um, this year. Anybody skipping a level or even bumping all the way up? I think they're gonna stick with their forty man, which is primarily Columbus. So rubber ducks are fun, man. If I wanted to play minor league baseball anywhere, it'd be with the ducks in Akron. Oh, the canal park's beautiful. There's the rubber deck here. Yeah. Well, guys, we're gonna move our crystal ball from the dirt to the ice for Tuckwood Weekend. to our second quick sip we're talking some crystal ball on the ice a little bit of blue jackets crystal ball as they just finished their season a couple weeks back looking down ahl possibly the lake erie monsters obviously with uh the well not really obviously because i didn't look it up today with the nhl draft have some guys still in college some guys potentially overseas have a lot of different farmhands in different places. Josh, is there anyone that kind of caught your eye who may be able to, to make some noise next year up in Columbus at Nationwide? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'll see him next year. It, it depends on how things shake out in the draft. And I think, you know, there's a lot of big question marks that still need to be answered in the off seasons for the Blue Jackets. Um, 
But just guys that stood out, you know, staying in the uh, minor league realm of Ohio, uh, guys that stood out for the Cleveland Monsters, who finished second place in their division, uh, their goalkeeper, Daniel Tarasov. Um, I think he's more of a couple years kind of guy. Um, definitely a need for the Blue Jackets moving forward. But dude is a brick wall from, I mean, he is a big goalkeeper. So he's a brick wall from close range. He just He just came to North America. So, you know, adjusting to those dimensions, the playing styles, he's not too good at, you know, you know, any deflection shots, grabbing those up. So just needs more experience there. Yeah, right now have uh, Corpy and, and Elvis up in Col- yeah. Or, yeah in Columbus and then up in Cleveland, you have him and Matisse Kiblinix, So And Corpy and Elvis, you know, they you saw that they did fine, but you saw when one of them was a little shaken up, the depth was very much lacking there. Other guy I like uh, was the center, uh, Tyler Engel. 20-year-old center. He finished with 24 points in 23 games. Uh, big note here, why I like him maybe getting a call-up. He needs to see – he's very young. He's only 20 years old. needs to see a little bit more consistency with him. But uh, he had three power play goals, one shorty. And CBJ, uh, the BJs, were only one of six teams with a power play percentage of 15% or worse. I mean, yeah, the Jackets have been terrible on, on the power play for the last number of years. Uh, the two guys that I had, um, one was uh, the former first-round pick of 2018, Liam Foudy, a guy who's had some experience, almost kind of like a Bobby Bradley type, where he's yeah. had some experience uh, at the big league level, did get about 20 games at the end of last season. But a guy who's kind of been up and down, played you know 20-plus games in Cle- Cleveland, uh, a guy that kind of needs to step up. You know, they traded some of their centers. They've had a lot of, you know, moving pieces in the last year. So a guy at center that fills the need, especially with uh, Brandon Dubinsky going to uh, unrestricted free agency. And yeah, he kind of, like, I like how you said they're kind of waiting for him to step up because they kind of made it known to him that he's kind of what they're looking to do moving forward. You know, he's a quick, you know, quick pace of play kind of guy. Likes to move the ball around, get into the net quickly. The ball? The ball. Or, excuse me, puck. The Vulcan eyes, I'm on the broom, I'm, I'm the pl- I'm eyes, broom ball bro. guy here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go on. Uh, so he's definitely a guy that needs to step up. The other one, going across the pond to the KHL, Ooh. of course, in Russia. Um, the Russians. The uh, 2020 top pick who scored the uh, first goal of the Gagarin Cup for Omsk. Of course, the Gagarin Cup, the Stanley Cup of Russia. Big Omsk. We're guy. talking uh, Igor Chinakov, who uh, is a guy who was the top pick of Columbus. Um, Wasn't what, he the headmaster of the other school in Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's Igor Karkarov. Karkarov yeah. so very close, close enough, Chinakov, Josh. Karkarov, Karkarov. We're, we're basically in the same place. Um, but a guy who... You know, the KHL has a certain ability to keep some players because of some of the tax laws over there. Was yeah. offered a three-year deal by his club, Omsk. So the Blue Jackets, I know he said at the end of, or, you know, this year that he would wait until the season was over, which happened in the end of April, to discuss whether or not he was going to stay over in Russia or come over to the Jackets. Uh, still a very young kid, uh, you know, I think only 19 or 20, but a guy that, has the skills and you know could be a uh, you know a very talented player and could be a young star if he makes it over to Columbus. Uh, of course, 
Columbus does have three picks, as we mentioned on the show before, in the first round this year. Uh, they have the 25th and 30th overall. Wow. And then they have, um, right now is the fifth pick, but with the lottery, they have an 8.5% chance to get the number one overall pick. Is it a deep draft, or is it like the NFL where your teams uh, are looking to next year? Well, lack of depth. Um, there, there isn't exactly that one, you know, mm-hmm. game breaking player that I've yeah. heard of. It's not like when you know Crosby or Austin Matthews or one of those guys was coming out. They've got a couple guys from one of your favorite schools, I'm sure, the Michigan Wolverines. So uh, sound like a bunch of pieces there. of shit to me. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll see, but we'll we'll keep our. Uh, our ears to the ground in Columbus and, and, you know, see who may come up because there are a lot of young guys, a lot of picks, and a lot of potential for the Blue Jackets as they look to reshape this roster. Absolutely. All right, we're moving on to our big chug on 30 Rack of Sports this week. Our big chug. The Cleveland Cavaliers. The wine and gold, wrapping it up, Yeesh. 22 and 50 record. Uh, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Greg, multiple uh, double-digit losing streaks. Their worst streak, an 11-game losing streak from April 23rd to May 2nd. Their best streak, four-game winning streak from February 23rd to March 1st. I remember that because we were kind of high on them for that week of the podcast. You know that, fu- that, <laughs> that was a fun that, that was a fun weekend. <laughs> that immediately followed a 10 game losing streak. Yeah, that was they a, yeah. Off 10 and 11, lost 10 straight, won 4 straight, and then won only 8 of their last 37 games, including <laughs> one of their final 14 games. It was an absolute train wreck at the end. Yeah, I had one. <laughs> Shown by re-signing Anderson Verzhev, who hadn't played in the league since 2016 or 2017. You were a little more that. more generous with your statistic there than I was. I had they had won only two of their last 15, but I uh, won of last 14. So. Uh, I mean, you had some positives, some negatives this year. We'll get to those. Um, Colin Sexton led the team with 24.3 points per game. Jared Allen. Nine and uh, all just under 10 rebounds a game, and then Darius Garland, Garland led the team in assists at just over six assists per game. Greg, you're our resident Cavs expert, diehard fanatic, lifelong wine and gold repper. What are I your What are your initial thoughts on the Cavs 2021 campaign? So, like they always do, they they play competent basketball to start the season. They had a completely full roster. They had some decent veterans, you know, JaVale McGee and slightly interested Kevin Love. And they started off pretty decently. Then injuries started getting in the way. Uh, you know, Larry Nance had two freak injuries during during the year. I think broke uh, wrist once and then broke broke part of his hand at one point. So just one of those things that just kind of happens. It's, right. it's tough to kind of get through. Um, so that really hurt them. Um, Sexton and Garland both took big steps forward. You know, Sexton showed that he could yep. be a number one scorer. And Garland, you know, was a guy that was kind of, they were very down on, or people were down on him in his first year, but he was a guy that only played four 
yeah, I think four college games before he hurt mm-hmm. before he hurt himself and was out for the rest of his college career. So a guy who really got his kind of feet under him his first year in the league played pretty well. Both of them did have some bumps and bruises, missed a few games here and there. One of the guys, you know, very high on Isaac Okoro. Some people thought they kind of reached for him. Was a guy that held down that wing position, got better offensively, was definitely an offensive minus at the beginning of the year, and got to kind of maybe a net zero. Uh, a guy who brought the effort every night, a guy who was able to get a whole lot of, uh, you know, good defense out of a team that has two guards that are not great on defense, would get, you know, the toughest assignment every night and kind of show up and play. Um, then eventually you get into some of the issues that they had. You know, the culture has been up and down. Obviously, the the uh, you know the coaching carousel that they've gone through. Um, a lot of veterans getting traded or you know kind of phased out. They had Drummond, who they kind of just said sit on the bench, and then got rid of him. Uh, traded McGee. Love was a guy who was out for a while, and then came back and was completely disinterested. So a lot of issues. You know, surrounding the team, plus other injuries that forced a lot of young guys to have to step up and a lot of turbulence up and down the roster, which which really hurt them because they didn't really have a clear direction for a large amount of the season. Yeah, I, th- I guess that's kind of my initial thoughts on the whole thing is that I think you saw the, uh, you know, going back to the weird coaching hire from a couple years ago. I like Bickerstaff now, and I think he's oh, doing I all right. Oh, I you talking about Bickerstaff. Okay. No. Oh. No, I like Bickerstaff, but when you go you know, down the list back yeah, a right. couple well, years and all that culminating to now yeah. and then the lack of depth, and I'd say you know, your one positive that I take away is that you did see positive development on offense, but the defensive development, I think, really needs to take a step forward quickly. I mean, opponents shot 48.4% from the field. Uh, that was the second second best opponent average in the NBA, third best opponent average uh, from the three-point range in the association as well. So I think if you continue the development, I think on offense, it's, like you said, getting there, but defensively, still a lot you need to do. Bigger staff and his staff another year to kind of see. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but to see where that goes. I mean, you've got two guys in Garland, Sexton, Kevin Love's always, I know he didn't play a ton, apathetic defender. Um, it breeds through the NBA. Well, the one thing that I think, I wouldn't say is an excuse for the lack of defense, because I think yeah. Sexton especially has some size and needs to be a better defender. But the one issue that they had is early in the season, I remember, you know, when they were kind of a 500 team, applauding mm-hmm. them, because they had gone, you know, the last two seasons they were, you know, bottom three team or something like that in defense and they had kind of worked their way back up to a middle of the road slightly better than middle of the road team in defense yeah which is awesome and helped them out so much and you could tell when they were holding teams under 100 they were in great shape scoring but then they had some injuries they don't have the same continuity larry nance is a great defender they lose him they lose some rim protection you know jared allen comes in helps mm-hmm. to kind of steady but he was, you know, he dealt with some concussion issues at the end of the year. You don't have that continuity. You have a bunch of new faces in and out. You don't quite build that defensive togetherness, and it's very tough to defend, especially when you have a lot of right. defensive minuses in Sexton, Garland, and pretty much whoever they're playing it. 
power forward. I mean, I like Dean Wade, but he's not a great defender. Mm-hmm. Him and Kevin Love are kind of in the same mold where they're good shooters. They have some range, but they're not exactly a guy that's going to frighten you on the defensive end. Yeah, I guess that leads us into, you know, what the Cavs' biggest downfall was. Because for me, yeah, I, I felt like you guys like Dean Wade, Osman, you know, they were they had moments of brilliance in any everything. They had a couple good games, but for the most part, it feels like the Cavs just kept trying to, at a certain point in the season, just kept trying to duct tape the next hole on the next hole, and then the completely inconsistent depth chart just adds more cons- inconsistency to the years of inconsistency building. That's on... Altman, though. Nah, it'll be interesting. Is Kobe? Is Kobe back? I mean, if, if I... If <laughs> He's got a I, tough sell. I was going to say, if I ran season. the organization, my answer would be no. Because they have some nice pieces, but I don't think there's a plan. You don't hear anything there's, from them or trying to do this. There has been little to no, and I think the two things that are the worst on, on Altman that I think also kind of go with this team is one, bad culture... Mm-hmm. And some of that comes from no plan, which is number two, you know, no plan and no real I- identity where right. you're giving too much money to Kevin Love. You're drafting in <laughs> weird ways where it's like, yes, maybe you're taking the best player available. And I, I really like Sexton and Garland both. I think they have some nice pieces. Yeah. You drafted two guys that fit kind of a similar role. Right. And you don't really have a good guard defender. And there's no. Then it hurts your flexibility in the draft going forward. If there's a good player later, you can go, well, we don't have any guard spots. So then it kind of hamstrings you later. Yeah. And also, you, you know, you don't have this depth. You've, to a degree, you've swung and missed on some of your depth pieces. You know, in 2019, they had three first round picks. They had Darius Garland, who was a guy that struggled his first year. I think we all kind of expected that. Took a big leap forward his second year. Like, possibly a guy who can get some votes for most improved player. Won't win it, but, you know, might get a couple votes. You have Dylan Windler, a guy who missed his entire first season and played, I think, 25 games his second season. So a guy who's been in and out. And then you used your third pick on Kevin Porter Jr., a guy who wasn't quite ready for the NBA, a guy who you basically had to give away to the Rockets for nothing, and a guy who put up 50 points for the Rockets, you know. Yeah. Now maybe he got his, and he could still lead to a bunch of other issues. I'm not I'm not recusing him from this. This could still go horribly for the Rockets, but they don't really care at this point. You know, they're willing to take a lot well, of tickets at this point. Yeah. But a guy from him where you basically got a year of him to develop him, and then you get nothing in return. You know, you had... Plus, on- you got to go to ownership and be like, I screwed up a yeah, year later. Yeah. You, you, had, you had Andre Drummond, who you didn't trade for a whole lot. You know, you traded some of your, your young centerpieces. He's a guy. <laughs> but he was a guy that you maybe took a chance on to see if you fit in. But then, at worst case, you were hoping for some trade bait. You know, he had a one-year right. deal, but he never really fit into the team. He would have high usage rate and low field goal percentage. To the point where no one would give you anything for That's him. That's what I mean. And he's a rebounder. To, you, you just had to cut yeah. him at the end. That's, That's what I was going to yeah, say. He's, he's a, a glorified rebounder. rebounder who, yeah. Well, the thing is, he's a guy that's making $27 million who should be a backup for a decent team. That's what I that's mean. That's what he yeah. ended up being. You know? So there's an issue there. There, you know, There's no plan. There's no identity. And there have been bad decisions up and down. I mean, you know, it goes all the way back to his first trade as the Kyrie Irving trade. Yeah. They got Sexton, but aside of that, it was a disaster. Isaiah Thomas was a disaster. Mm-hmm. You look at a lot yeah, of the other trades, that. a lot of the other moves that he's made, some panic moves for LeBron, 
And it just set this team back several years to the point where it's like, you know, since in the, what, seven years since 2003 that LeBron has not been on the Cavs. So the four years that he was gone in Miami and the three years since he's left for Los Angeles, they have had one solid team. That was the year before Bron came back Mm -hmm. where they were close to the eight seed. They should have been a seven or eight seed. Kyrie got hurt. They fell back. But aside of that, they've been a mediocre to bad team all of those years. Isn't it? Is it fair? And I I mean, I tell you, I think Altman time to go guy, but I mean, is it fair to think about what a superstar like LeBron James does to any franchise? And like, this isn't all surprising that it's kind of a mess right now, well, right? Because they're gutting your assets. You're given to add a lot out to, to kind bring of add in to your these question. pieces. Yeah, like you had LeBron leave, like, and they knew that was coming. But I mean, to get to that who, championship, to try to keep well, him who's, where who's he led up, to be. who who is you're not bringing up rookies. Like, in. I want to be the leader of this team, and this is what we're going to go do. This is who we are. That's a certain person, though. And, and who, I think Garland shown some that of that, that he's willing to kind of, but you, you know, that's a certain, that's a certain person that that's a person. And I get right, what you're saying. Right, it's a yeah. culture thing or who you're yeah, bringing in. Say, it, that's it, fair. It starts from the top to some degree. And at least, yeah. you know, you may not go all the way up to the Gilberts, but at least as far as the GM down, right. you have to have some sort of plan. You know, Chris Bosch was a great player, but the Raptors didn't have a plan. And the Raptors were a joke and, you know, let Kobe score 81 points on them. Like, you know, you right. have these issues even with good players if you don't have a culture. And there was some degree of you have LeBron, you know you have to mortgage some future assets. But they also, at the end, you know, they kept the pick that became Sexton. Mm-hmm. They didn't trade that. They did trade some picks. But the issue that they have is even since LeBron's been gone, you know, they were able to get some things from their assets, you know, whether it be Kyle Korver or some of the right. other guys. You know, really, J.R. Smith was the only real, like, buyout that they had to have. They haven't done a whole lot with those picks. As we mentioned, you know, the Windler and the and the Kevin Porter Jr. picks, uh, they haven't done well with any sort of trades. You know, they weren't, mm-hmm. a, weren't able to get rid of J.R. Smith. The Andre Drummond thing was kind of a train wreck. And then they just haven't had a clear path the first time that i felt like they had a clear path was with the jared allen trade you know trading a late first round pick as part of that james harden deal to get jared allen i thought jared allen was a great a great Mm -hmm. pickup he was really solid for them for a while got hurt kind of fell off at the end but some of that you wonder how much of that is because of injury but then you have some bad picks you have the albatross that's holding you back you know Obviously, you can't predict that coronavirus is going to happen, but you have that you know four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar extension. You still have I don't two know. years, sixty million dollars. I don't back know what it went through his mind when LeBron and them left, and they're like, "Do you want to stay here? We'll give you this money." Like, what did he think it we'll was going to be money. like? Our plan is to continuously get rid of all the veterans we have, they, except he you. He knew that though, <laughs> yeah. and now he's like upset about it. But it always cracks me up when these guys get upset about it, or it seems like he's upset yeah. about it. It always cracks me up because then they play like shit and they bitch and moan. And he had that whole fiasco, the whole tantrum, kind of that you know, other teams are like, "Why?" 
you know, why would we want to trade well, for you with yeah. all that money? The Cavs would have to chip in like well, half the we'll, salary. We'll probably. get we'll get to the players and what to do about about uh, all that yeah, yeah. after our beer break and everything. But as we wrap up this first part before we go to our beer break, Greg, what's what's your biggest improvement takeaway, and who do you maybe have for a team MVP? Uh, so I think the improvements. I think it comes to you know two guys. Uh, I'll get to Sexton in a second, but I think my two biggest improvements are Garland, who took a big step into becoming an NBA point guard, once again, a guy who had basically no college experience, who really grew up a lot, turned into a passer, was a guy who, you know, didn't shoot well his first year, but kind of understood the NBA game. You know, he was basically a guy who went straight from high school to the NBA. And if you're not a LeBron James player, that's usually a pretty difficult transition. Uh, My other one is Isaac Okoro. Um... You know, he's a guy that's not really been talked about. You know, the top rookies of the year, you have your LaMelo Balls, your Anthony Edwards. But as far as a guy, you know, in that 5 to 10 range, he's been, a, you know, pretty solid in that area. He's been a guy that, as we mentioned, you know, has some negative defenders with him. So a guy that's had to take, you know, the Hardens, the LeBrons, the KDs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been the guy defending them. And he's been about a net zero defending with all these difficult assignments. He's also been a guy that has, you know, improved his scoring, was a pretty terrible shooter at the beginning of the year, improved his points per game by about four. So a guy who's developing on the offensive side. I was going to say, he, he averaged three, just over three boards a game and about a steal a game against some of the assignments that he had with his lack of experience. That's not not to be overlooked. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's definitely shown that he's a lot of potential, you know, a springy guy. Even if he just can turn into a 3 and D guy, that's something the Cavs, mm-hmm desperately need because they have very little depth on the wing one of my favorite players uh jetty osman has been a guy who's making some money is under contract for you know a couple more years has had some injury concerns but has also been a guy that you see flashes of brilliance from and then you see times where you're like why are you even on the floor (laughs) so having some any consistency from a wing possibly adding one in the draft is really a big deal so team MVP, yeah. I mean, I feel like you got to give it to Sexton. I, I got to go Sexton. Uh, you know, potentially I could be talked into giving it a split MVP for Sexland, but uh, I'm gonna go Colin Sexton, a guy who you know led the team in scoring, a guy who you know tied LeBron with records for scoring 20 straight. You know, for the Cavaliers, a guy that you know during their early winning streak was a guy that put on shows you know one of the times that they beat kd and uh the nets in overtime he put up 42 mm-hmm. a guy who can really fill it up a guy who still needs some polishing and i would love to have some sort of veteran presence that actually is interested in the team to help <laughs> kind of shape you know shape him potentially someone you know a veteran point guard that's maybe been around but a guy that you know can be one of the elite scorers in the league can be like a bradley yeah. beal if you allow him to. So, you know, a guy with pieces around him can be a very successful player. Our big chug, the Cleveland Cavaliers wrap up their 2021 season, finishing at 22 and 50. We'll talk about what to do with some of the big question marks in the players after Zach and his reciting of the king. Juicy lime, rich toasted coconut, and a slightly salty finish take this mouth-watering German gosa to the next level 
It's the perfect pairing for a very special donut made by Cincinnati's legendary Holtman's Donuts. For this collaboration, it's a refreshing, tempting treat on a spring or summer day. I'll agree with that. There we is, go. Yeah. We mentioned it. We mentioned in our it. First, we did. Uh, segment. We said a nice okay. summer drinking beer. Guys, I think I uh, was had a bit of a shock to my system at first. <laughs> you were like, I, yeah, it was it was not at all what I was expecting, and just the flavors really caught me off guard. I love it. Oh yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. I go pick me up one. And I mentioned <laughs> it was kind of like our beer that we had last week. We had the Mexican Lager Summertime Lime from mm-hmm. Wiedemann's. And this is also a lime beer, but just on a completely different level, but still very drinkable for that spring or summer day. Exactly. You summed it up perfectly. Yeah. If, if you're End the wa- segment. <laughs> Cut. If you're wondering what uh, what this beer is all about, the can shows it pretty well. There's a giant yeah. coconut lime donut on it. So uh, the nice green can, uh, Greenworks, they have their little wheel logo. Can't miss on the uh, top, but you can't miss the low. No. You can't miss the donut. I know they have it at Jungle Gyms if you're in Southwest Ohio. So a lot of places around the state. If you're looking for a, an interesting beer to, to shock the system a little bit, but also uh, something nice and drinkable to have on the front porch, I mean, this one's perfect for that. I would love to have this with a Holtman's donut too. If I could try the coconut. The, I think the, it's a lime coconut donut too. Yeah, so yeah. that'd be very. That's why they made the ghost. Very, very cool. Yes. Very cool to uh, have that with this, and I hope they do more of these too. Yeah, uh, you know, I like. The, this. You see plenty of other donut collaborations, um, whether it be a stout. I don't. Th- I think this is the first Goso one I've ever mm-hmm. seen, but I hope they I think keep it's doing perfect this. Perfect for that kind of donut, though. Very that that. Would you say earlier that starchy? Kind of lime thing. starchy flavor that really encapsulates the lime donut. You get a little bit yeah. of coconut at the end. I know uh, they said uh, City Beat did an article down here in Cincinnati, and uh, yeah, the brewer said, "quote A few other secret ingredients to create a donut-like taste." So, who knows what's in there? You kind of get that like. I do enjoy it. You kind of get that like cake donuty after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah, of got yeah. that that cake donut. Maybe a little bit of the the icing and shavings if you will from the coconut and lime on the on the donut there but good stuff very good who's gonna bring donuts to our next recording i guess we have to yeah where's the intern damn it intern back to chugging the big chug glug 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 a lot to glub down uh for the cleveland cavaliers 22 and 50 season Won only two of their last 15 games, had two uh, double-digit losing streaks. Saw some improvements from guys like Colin Sexton. Jared Allen came in, did a great job. Darius Garland also quite improved. But a lot of question marks, Greg, as we move in here. I want to talk some some other improvements and get your takes on them. Maybe not improvements, but uh, I think I called them... uh, pieces of duct tape on the ship in the first segment on this uh rookie uh, isaac coro and uh cleveland's d wade the, the new d wade thank you we had both d wades up in cleveland everyone everyone remembers the uh the Dwayne wade experience in cleveland that was for, a fun like, week another fun weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a fun, like three weeks yeah um so isaac coro 
uh, you know, top five pick. Uh, a guy, as you know, as I mentioned in the earlier segments, a guy who took the challenge of guarding a lot of teams' best players. Uh, a guy who showed that you know he can guard the best players. He can help this team defensively, and maybe with some cohesion, turn this team into an average defensive team, which is really all that I'm hoping for. If they can be an average defensive team, then they can at least be like a play-in team no. at this point. Yeah, so that's that, exciting. So that's exciting. You know, meaningful basketball after Christmas in Cleveland. That would be very exciting. Um, Dean Wade, uh, the new D. Wade in Cleveland, uh, a guy from Kansas State that they picked up, an undrafted free agent, a guy who had played in you know Canton for some years uh, with their G League team, the Canton Charge. Uh, a guy who was kind of called up due to a lot of injuries, guys getting traded, things like that. But a guy who's really made the most of his his uh, time up here. Um, you know, a guy who could be just kind of a nice bench player, a guy who can get, you know, had some double-digit scoring, you know, up to 18, 20 points off the bench. A guy who can shoot pretty well from three, stretch the floor, score well in the post. Kind of reminds me of, you know, back when Kevin Love was productive, kind of a poor man's Kevin Love. But, like, Kevin Love at his peak was a very good player. So, like, mm-hmm. a guy that can do some of the things that he can do, needs to work on his defense, maybe needs to be a little bit more consistent. But a guy who could certainly be a solid piece for the Cavs, you know, yeah. in years going forward if they can figure things out. Absolutely. And uh, on to another guy that could be a big piece of the Cavs moving forward. He fits the mold perfectly with uh, the young guys that they have in right now, and they acquired him in that blockbuster deal with Brooklyn that saw um, James Harden going to the Nets. Um, Jared Allen expected a lot. The frail expected <laughs> a lot in this next deal. In this in this next deal, um, and some are saying the Cavs are looking at four or five years. Around the seventy-five to ninety million mark, what what would you like to see happen here, Greg? Yeah, so what I've seen is, you know, it, it's gone from four years seventy to potentially five years a hundred million, so about twenty million a year, which is not out of the realm of possibilities for a guy that can get you double doubles. Uh, still very young, I believe, only twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, the draft. I mean, it's like Jared Allen draft, Colin Sexton draft, Darius Garland draft. So guys mm-hmm. that are, you know still in their early 20s, and is a guy that fits a whole lot of needs that the Cavs have. You know, a good defender. Once again, we've mentioned, you know, aside of a Coro, a lot of minus defenders. Um, a guy that can do some of the dirty work, good on screens, a guy that can finish at the rim, and a rim protector, which is one of the most important things as we move into the new year of basketball that's threes and, you know, shots at the rim. So yeah. you need to have a good rim protector, and he fits a lot of those areas, you know, a guy that can get you a block or two a game, uh, you know, play good defense, make those little plays. I know $20 million sounds like a lot if they can work it down a little bit. The nice thing about him is, you know, he could take a, a one-year deal and become a free agent for like 6 or $7 million, but he wants to cash out now. So they offer him his best deal. If someone else wants to offer him a little bit of a better deal, you match it. No yeah. question about it, and you get him back. He's a guy that needs to be part of the team. You gave up a first-round pick for him. He's a solid asset. 
regardless, he seems like he wants to be here. He's at least bought into some of what the team has to offer, so you have to bring him back. So he's restricted? Yeah, he's restricted for agent. I mean, so you're saying no one ever assaulted a guy, but, you know, kind of lower end and then see what yeah. you know what else comes yeah, in you, and you match. Try to maybe you're not going to go right in and be like, we'll give you... 500 right yeah, like maybe, you're gonna maybe probably you try to go you know four 15 mil or something <laughs> like that you yeah. know you know four years 60 million he comes back with a different deal and then if he goes a little bit higher than you're thinking maybe you let him shop around knowing that you'll probably match it but at least see what you know right right see what people want to play ball with so well and yeah i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there some of his stats on paper fans might, you know, be quick to overlook, but having that solid and consistent presence at both ends of the court is something that the Cavs very much need right now. And I know the front office is high on him. Uh, moving away from some of the younger guys and going to some of the uh, more seasoned <laughs> Cavaliers and the big question marks surrounding them. Uh, we'll start at a trip to the deli. Greg, what is what what is going on with Matthew Deladova, and what what do you what do you do with that? <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? I'm going to ask that about Kevin Love too, but like, what do you do with this? So I would say also one other young guy to to mention is a guy that they got late uh, at the trade deadline in the Javale McGee deal, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, a young guy from Denver, kind of a backup role. A guy who has a $1.7 million player option could decline it and try to go somewhere else. But a guy that the team's high on, you know, is a guy that put up eight and four off the bench in 18 minutes. So a guy who you could maybe develop still very young. So a guy, if you can get him back, even if he declines at the right price, you know, under three million or something. If he wants to yeah. try to go for a billion dollars, then small sample size, but great. Back. Yeah, great numbers from small sample um, size. But yeah, for. To, to for the Delhi. Delhi. <laughs> to Delhi. Um, I love Delhi. One of my favorite. One of my favorite Cavs of all time. I remember, you know, in the in the pre in the uh, in the Miami years for Brown, he came in, you know, second round pick out of uh, St. Mary's, a guy who would just take charges. You know, <laughs> was a hated guy in the league. Obviously, had his finals moment in 2015 when uh, you know. Kyrie Irving was hurt. He locked down Steph Curry for a little bit. I mean, had his fun, but at this point, he's 30. Um, he's had multiple concussion issues. He missed several months with a concussion, so that's kind of a, a tough spot, especially when he's more of an effort player. Uh, you know, only played 13 games due to concussion, neck strain, appendectomy. <laughs> you know, if he comes back on a really cheap deal, you do need some veterans, and if, but... You know, unfortunately, Delhi can, you know, if Delhi stays in the U.S. and, you know, maybe wants to do something here, but he's a guy that I, I maybe see playing in the NBL in Australia next year. You know, he's a guy that, that served a whole lot. You know, I'll, I'll love Delhi. He's always welcome back in Cleveland, you know, but yeah, I don't know how much net positive he gets unless it's on a really team-friendly deal to maybe just, you know, be a veteran presence. Matthew Delvadova on his way out, says Greg. Uh, now to uh, the big question mark with the big price tag on it. Kevin Love. Uh, I'm not going to pose the same question because I don't believe there's any – I don't believe you can get rid of him with everything going on right now. So 
so what does what does the organization need to do to get Kevin Love a to a at least somewhat more consistently healthy level and b get the man interested in Cavs basketball? Or just doing his job. I mean, <laughs> you have. We're paying you. <laughs> right? Yeah. What, what more do we need to do? You have to convince him that you know it's in his best interest and. Depending on where they go in the draft, you know, obviously there's some solid, you know, small forward, power forward prospects, whether it's Cade Cunningham or Jonathan Kuminga, both of which I think would be a very good fit with the Cavs, depending on where they end up in the draft. But, um, you know, still is owed two years, $60 million. I think at some point you have to try to get him to buy in, get him some work, whether it's starters or off the bench, and hope... I guess hope that he plays well enough that someone has a panic buy at one of the trade deadlines. You know, one of those guys that's looking to take that extra step forward. Maybe it's a Portland or something like that where they just throw a first round pick or really are just willing to take on the contract. Because I think maybe either this trade deadline or the next trade deadline, because really aside of that, you don't really have a whole lot to stand on. You know, you try to hope. Hope he buys in. You really at least hope you can make it through next year. And then the final year, if you just want to cut him and take the loss for his last season or try to trade him at the trade deadline. If you can just find a way to at least make it work for the next season so he has one year left, you don't have to, you know, stretch his contract over the next three years and lose $15 million, you know, for the next three right. or four years out of the out of the cap, then you need to do that because you can't have all this dead money. And the quicker you can get rid of it, the better you know it's one of those things you you take the shot now you get rid of all that money and if you can turn him into something that can get you something at, at any point then you take it he's an enigma man i mean i don't know what do you what do you sit him down I mean, what do you i'm sure they have i'm sure they said hey what can what can we do we're giving you 30 fucking million dollars i don't know I, I, you know he's capable his numbers aren't bad right but you know but, he well, can do way better what did you expect when you signed well the issue that you have is like his first year or last year he played okay and that was his one healthy year. in in the three years that since lebron has been gone which let's be honest has been the new era of Cavs basketball right. that's usually how the years work no one no one um, everybody saw that coming you had what I think 28 and 25 in two years ago and this year last year he played 62 games if he can just stay on the court he had I remember this year he was playing pretty well the first five games had a calf strain missed like four weeks came back for two games had another calf strain at that point everybody was gone and he stopped caring right if you can put something together that shows that he can care or at least you can show you know maybe whisper in his ear say hey maybe someone's interested in you you get out to a good 30-game stretch, you at least keep some kind of goal out there, maybe you can keep him interested I think it's enough. insane you have to explain that. He should know that. Like, if you went out of here, you better play yeah, better. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's what, my thing. I don't For know him, what... it seems like a win-win. You either play better and invest here and you make the team better, or you play better for yourself so you exactly. can get out of there. We're paying you $30 million. I don't know what... Is, even if they buy him out in two years, if he is hurt all the time, then... Nobody's not even uh, right. you know, not even the Lakers or the Nets are gonna want to take a take a flyer on him. Exactly. Maybe I the know, Dodgers. It's, it's insane. It's a weird thing. Maybe the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> that pool holes thing's weird. Yeah. Uh, but I think that'll be a topic for another time. And for now, guys, any parting thoughts for the Cleveland Cavaliers as we head into the offseason? Who they got, Greg? 
where where do you think I know this is insane because it's a lottery, but where 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 do you see them fall? Are they 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 fall number one. They get in uh, Cade Cunningham. I would. Are they gonna love, fall all the way down Cade. to the end? Well, yeah, everybody would. My hope is that my realistic hope, because my my top hope would be they go what? one. They take Cade Cunningham. He fits into the system well. He's a good ball handler. He's a big guy. He could maybe help you know get Garland and Sexton some shots off the ball and whatnot. Also, a rangy guy could maybe help a Coro defense. Maybe run, you know, those four guys and Allen. He's a complete player. He's a complete player. The other one that I, I'm interested in, if they, you know, if they stay at about five or they fall to five or six, is a guy that maybe a lot of people did not watch. Uh, if you were not watching, you know, midday G League games on ESPN two. But uh, one of the guys from the G League Ignite, which was one of those, you know, instead of going to college, you yeah. play in the G League. Uh, a guy named Jonathan Kuminga, a guy who's, I think, 6'9", 6'10". Uh, you know, a guy who still working out some kinks, obviously not a very long G League season, but a guy that has some of the range, some of the athleticism, can block some shots, is a taller guy, but can still play at power forward, and a guy that, you know, is is a lot more raw than Cade Cunningham, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of Casual fans don't know a whole lot about him, but he's a guy who could be a big-time player out of the draft. That's our big chug, the Cleveland Cavaliers, finishing the season 22-50. and 50. Some improvements, some question marks. Get ready for the offseason, folks. Uh, we uh, will move on to our What's Brewing Ohio and wrap this thing up. What's brewing in Ohio, guys? I've got breaking what's brewing news. Whoa. Out of Dayton, Ohio. Dayton. Uh, we've had them on the show before. The Molar Brew Barn. Oh, yeah, we have had the Molar Brew Barn. And I mentioned it earlier. This news deals slightly with the Dayton Dragons because they will be opening a brand new Molar Brew Barn location right outside of Day Air Ballpark in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, nice. Wait, what's it called now? It's uh, it's now called Day Air Ballpark. Okay, I remember it used to be Fifth Third. Yeah, ballpark. yeah, okay. Mud Hens, uh, they're Fifth Third oh, Ballpark okay. still, but Dayton, uh, the Dayton Dragons, uh, Reds affiliate, um, and this is really cool because they're kind of remodeling this space and adding to this space. It's going to have three different bars at it, uh, an outdoor space, um, friendly for your pets, friendly for bikers to pull up to. What's really cool about that is the biking scene in Dayton, I think this is going to be great for because it'll offer a great, like you start at Warped Wing and then get in kind of the water district. If you're going to the game, there's plenty of other pubs and eateries around there. This is going to fit perfectly into that expanding, expanding water district in Dayton. And if you have a chance to go check it out, we'll try and get something on our social media at 30 Rack of Sports, but they've got renderings of this space and man, it looks awesome. So that'll be Molar Brew Barn's third location that got announced today. Uh, very cool stuff. Look it up if you will. Other cool stuff happening around the state as we move up to Columbus. Derive Brewing Company. We have not had them up on the show, but on Saturday, June 5th, in their Clintonville Tap Room, they will be hosting a Saison and Sour Fest. Ooh. Uh, very cool stuff here. Uh, it'll include selections from Jackie O's, Pretentious, Wolf's Ridge, Branch and Bone, Sixth Sense, and more. I didn't know you opened up a brewery, Zach. 
Pretentious? He's branch and bone. The $40 $40 admission includes tickets for 10 four-ounce pours. That's enough to sample uh, a beer from each of the breweries, and you can buy additional drink tickets as well. I don't need another one. (laughs) Head over to to DeriveBeer.com for more there. And then finally, guys, we head up to Cleveland for... I know uh, Greg really fancies this place, and I'm pretty sure... I've seen you drinking this beer before. Uh, the Goggle Fogger, oh, which I believe we might have had on the show, actually. Uh, we've point. had a couple of Yeah, uh, we've had a couple heads. of fatheads. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are not familiar, I, it, I believe everyone does, because per OhioCraftBeer.org's uh, IRI scan data, uh, the Goggle Fogger is the best-selling wheat craft beer in the state oh, of Ohio man. dating back to 2020. So, if you're not familiar with Goggle Fogger, it uh, won awards at the Great American Beer Festival. Um, Very good beer. And guys, this summer, we're getting a summer variety of Goggle Fogger. Whoa. A grapefruit German-style wheat beer. The grapefruit Goggle Fogger is out now. Um, First, just on tap up in the Cleveland areas um, at the Fatheads. Oh, awesome but, place to yeah, go to. Yeah, they have that nice complex now. Uh, awesome place up there in... Mer- it's not in Moraine, is it? No, it, it, Lorraine, you mean? Lorraine, yeah. Moraine's <laughs> Dayton. Mer- uh, used to, <laughs> I know they used to have the restaurant in North Olmsted. I believe it might be in Lorraine now. I can't remember where it is, but yeah, it'll be uh, in not four, not six, but 15 packs starting of Memorial course. Day in the Fathead's... Uh, distribution footprint so guys that is well first off we're gonna have to do a segment here soon because when i keep coming up with all these what's brewing ohio segments yeah. i am blown away at how many new breweries keep opening oh, yeah, in ohio so we're gonna we have to do we're what gonna have we to do a segment on all the new breweries soon. but for now the what are we doing here? for now that's what's brewing in ohio As we move on to our cheers, guys, we once again always want to cheers the listeners for joining us for another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. And also want to cheers Westchester's own Grainworks Brewing and Cincinnati's own Holman's Donuts for uh, the collaboration in the Lime Coconut Donut Gosa. Be sure to check it out. Um, Definitely around the Cincinnati area, I'm sure around most of Ohio. Uh, A fantastic summer beer and just one of the more interesting flavors that we've had around here. So uh, big ups to Greenworks and the listeners. Uh, as far as our cheers for the week, Zach, do you have anybody that you're cheersing this week? <clears throat> I'm going to cheers the, the Shanimal, Shane Bieber. Uh, rough outing, short side of the year, four and two-thirds. Ended, snapped his streak of uh, games with eight consecutive strikeouts at 20, but that's the major league record. But he still was able to get to seven, so he still extended his uh, streak of uh, games with seven strikeouts to 22, just behind and only behind the great Randy Johnson, who is 34. So Yeesh. he blew Yeesh. up a bird once. He did. He did blow. I was actually watching that video over the weekend. <laughs> Love that. Uh, going from baseball to the ice, my shout out. Uh, one of the things that I love as far as statistics and just, you know, random 
quirks of sport. So uh, my shout out goes to hockey and the NHL schedule. So um, those of you that have listened to 30 Rocket Sports know that uh, the Blue Jackets played their last game 11 or uh, nine days ago on May 8th. And uh, most of the Central Division teams finished their schedule within the next couple days afterwards. Uh, Saturday, the playoffs began, and 28 of the 31 teams had finished their season. By the end of Saturday, 29 of the 31 teams had finished their season. But Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, with the latest game coming on the same day as Game 3 of the playoffs between the Bruins and the Capitals, the Canucks and the Flames will face off in their final regular season game. What? Three games into the playoffs. What? With both teams already eliminated. I was going to say, am I going to go? Are they going <laughs> to televise that? Yeah. So, uh, stream it on their website, team they, websites. How do you get amped about that? Well, well, <laughs> it gets better, trust me. So, uh, to describe why this is going on, um, a bunch of teams had about a week of games after the Jackets were done. You know, certain divisions and certain teams had, uh, you know, COVID outbreaks where they couldn't play games for a while. I remember for a while the Jackets were in first or second place because they played like five more games than yeah. most of the rest of the, the division them and the Blackhawks did. That was a fun weekend. So uh, the biggest break, though, was in uh, March, late March, early April, where the Vancouver Canucks had a 25-day break between games. And normally you're thinking two to three-day right. breaks between games. So um, late last week, the playoffs were set, but games were still scheduled to go on. So Saturday, the Canucks played the playoff-bound Oilers, whose first game versus Winnipeg in the playoffs got pushed back to Wednesday and still had three games left versus the Calgary Flames. So Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, I believe the first game in Vancouver, the second two in Calgary. The Canucks and the Flames will face off in three meaningless games, (laughs) with the finale being 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 1.30 Calgary time on a Wednesday afternoon. So Businessman special, baby. So Getaway you, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone with ESPN Plus who's uh, bored and wants to watch a little afternoon puck, tune in to uh, Canucks Flames in potentially one of the most meaningless games ever. And it's one of the things I just love about sports because at the end of the day, you're going to get every game in that you can, get every dollar you can from TV or... Gambling. Stands or anything else? You yeah. got some balls on you if you're going to gamble on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially some gambling, yeah. So uh, that's my shout-out. Shout-out to the hockey, and then shout-out to uh, the Flames and the Canucks. Uh, Josh, what are you shouting out this fine week? I am shouting it out just like a donut, guys. I'm going to bring it full circle back to the beginning of the show. Uh, God, that did didn't hit again. the first time, and yeah. it didn't hit the second time, and now Stick I just in, feel bad for you. Sticking to the minor leagues here, uh, those of you that don't know, Cincinnati did get another minor league soccer team that plays in the USL League 2. Really? Uh, they are called Kings Hammer FC. They play their home games in Norwood. And ah, Norway's not Cincinnati. It's its own municipality. And, uh, that's true. That is true. Uh, it was, I think, Saturday night was uh, their first win ever in franchise history. And it came in the most incredible of ways. A free kick from the ni- in the 90th minute from near sideline center pitch all the way over 
to the far 18. Bicycle kicked in in the 90th minute for the walk-off win, basically, in a 2-1 to finish. So was awesome. So shout what, out to Carson Kendall what's for the, the highlight name of this bike. Team? King's Hammer FC. When do they start? This this they're like three games into their inaugural season. Where do they play? Norwood. Where? I, yeah, no, no. Like, uh, where? Xavier. Ugh, played Xavier. Norwood no. Jesuit. No. Yeah, the school in there. Uh, Norwood State. So uh, is that like uh, bottom of the barrel? Is this like semi-pro? Uh, I no, it's not bottom of the barrel. It's like third division yeah i believe it's third division in the usl which is division two so if you think mls is division yeah okay top one yeah there's a usl which is the usl championship and now there's a usl two so it's kind of like what's below there's like two three divisions there's like nash it's more like semi-pros this might even be the top semi-pro level this is like kind of straddling between semi-pro and professional trying to develop into yeah yeah. yeah, and sometimes and a development get, team. Sometimes you'll get players from you know MLS teams where they don't have spots for. They're really young, and they'll mm-hmm. send them down to to a USL club yeah, to okay. just allow them to play because sitting on the bench doesn't get you a whole lot of you know. It's almost like sending them down to AAA soccer. Kind right, of, they don't have systems, so they send them down to other clubs. Hmm. And and oh, overhead kick this. This has been seen by so many North American soccer accounts, and there's been lots of debate about what is a bicycle kick and an overhead kick. But sweet goal and an awesome way to cement some history for your first franchise win. So shout out to Kings Hammer and Carson Kendall for that awesome kick. Who's Cincinnati's premier soccer team? We'll find out. (laughs) Kings Hammer, baby. (laughs) So guys, it's about time to wrap up for Grainworks and their lovely lime coconut donut gosa. For Josh on the ones and twos, as soon as he takes a sip, love that. For uh, Zach on the opinions, good, bad, or otherwise, peace. My name's Greg. Thank you so much for listening to Thirty Rack Sports. <laughs>